On this episode, I interviewed Mara Quint of the Tax March organization. While their organization started out with some political focus on taxes, they are doing quite a bit of work for low-income and working-class taxpayers. I thought it was a worthwhile interview to have with her, so thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I'm your host, William Schmidt, the director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Kansas Legal Services. I am here today with Mara Quint of the Tax March organization. So welcome, Mara. And actually... Your organization had contacted me, so we're kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And I'll admit, I, I first started by reading your biography and seeing that you are a humor writer um, beginning in your profession. So can you tell me a little bit about that and kind of what what that experience has been like? <laughs> sure, that's probably not a uh, common bio point for most of your guests, I would assume. Um, <laughs> But I certainly, in dealing in the tax world in general, uh, I'm, I'm an outlier, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, I've written comedy for a number of years now. It was something that I came to later in life. I didn't sort of graduate and, and follow the path and try and make it as a comedian or anything like that. But I kind of just dabbled in that world and started submitting comedy pieces to various publications and... They uh, were shockingly to me accepted, and more and more places kind of asked me to write for them or uh, audition for them as the case may be, which was really flattering and really fun. So that's definitely something that I've been doing. Uh, I have written for uh, places like The New Yorker, and when I say that, everybody kind of misunderstands it and thinks that I am a reporter for The New Yorker. They have a whole little comedy section called Shouts and Murmurs, so I've, I've written there, and I'm a contributor to The Onion, uh, and I've, I've published on McSweeney's, which is an online humor site as well, so, you know, things like that, and it's a lot of fun, and I would certainly love to do it all the time, but surprisingly, it is not the easiest way to um, <laughs> sustain yourself and, you know, pay for kids to have a daycare and things, so... It is not my full-time profession, but it's always been something that I've been dabbling in for a while. Okay, very nice. So, I mean, just to be curious, were, were any of those like a, a regular column, or were they kind of one-shot submissions, or, or how did that work? Yeah, for the most part, um, it has been sort of one-off submissions. I had an ongoing column, I suppose, uh, in McSweeney's this past year, a little bit to a year, um, where I was doing their recap for um, all of the presidential primary debates that were happening, uh, and presumably I will continue to do that if there are any presidential debates going forward, which, who knows, um, but I was writing sort of humorous takes on what had happened and, and posting them the next day, so that was my ongoing comedy gig for the last year or so, and before that I have had some sort of weekly columns and things in various publications for periods of time, but uh, the world of online humor is very, well, it's like most worlds nowadays, uh, it can be around for a little bit and then sites shut down or things change, so um, 
Okay, and I I find it interesting that it's mentioned in your biography. You were named one of Rolling Stone's top twenty-five funniest Twitter accounts in two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah, I I wasn't even sure if I had a mind because I have a bunch, but yeah, that was one of the sort of primary ways I got into actually submitting my comedy was that um, when Twitter first came about in 2009 or so, I got a Twitter account, and I mostly just used it to, like, make jokes. Um, and at the time, I actually was working in an office where it was a small office, and I did not really love my colleagues all that much. <laughs> but um, So I started the Twitter account fully anonymously just to sort of you know, just kind of to sort of make jokes a bit about my colleagues, uh, not in a mean way, but just in sort of a they're irritating me today kind of way. Um, and I got a lot of notice for that, and my Twitter account got bigger and bigger, and um, and I just kind of kept writing humor there, and that was certainly something that helped me like publish uh, in other worlds. And um, yeah, and I got a lot of, uh, of notes for my account for a couple of years. And then I'd say after 2017 or so, the, you know, most publications stopped making those types of lists for the most part. But um, it's been fun still to be able to have that outlet. Well, very nice. I, I ask these questions about your writing because I've, there is a blog column procedurally taxing that I'm one of four columnists who write at least once a month on different tax topics, like specifically I'm, I'm part of a group that we look at uh, certain orders from the tax court, but that that's certainly one popular area when it comes to tax writing, the, the procedurally taxing blog site. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've, I've always been interested in writing, and that's, that's one of the regular outlets I, I find right now because I can do that while on the job and, you know, not, not be focused on something other than tax that, you know, I, I, I can't really do while at work. So it's, it does help me with that outlet. So I, yeah, I, it uses different parts of the brain there. Definitely. That's good. What, um, what was the most interesting and engaging thing that you have written on in that world? Well, that, that's a good question. I mean, because it's, you know, frankly, a lot of the the articles, you know, it can be kind of dry reading and, and kind of dry focus. But after a while, you get to see some patterns with the tax court. And, you know, it, it does help in, in my practice to see, you know, the, the judges aren't don't want to turn their backs on on low income or, or unrepresented taxpayers who have petitioned the tax court, but they they all also are kind of have their hands tied in in how creative they can be in in ruling that, that they are kind of set. So it's it's interesting to see the patterns, but yeah, I mean some some of the cases can can be interesting because it's like and I mean the like the tax protesters they're they're bringing in all these constitutional arguments on, on why they shouldn't even be required to pay taxes. And, you know, it, it just, mm -hmm. they just go off into left base, you know, left field. And 
it's it's like they they aren't even they don't understand the law. They're just making certain arguments that that they've been fed. So it, sure. you know, some of those things can be interesting to me. Where it's, you know, what? How are people just just going off in a totally different direction that that we haven't seen before? So, so that's mm-hmm. that's what I find I find interesting. You know, you just kind of have to dig sometimes for for a little bit of of what's the drama going on. You know, and not just the the average tax procedure that's happening but yeah that, that's what i like yeah that sounds incredibly interesting and i think the tax world holds more drama than most people give it credit for oh for sure yeah e- even the nerdiest of topics can you know can can have some drama to them <laughs> you just have to have to look in the right places for them so <laughs> that's right so so in in looking at your you're writing. I I did notice a little bit of um, there is some social activism in with the the humor, and I was just curious, like, what has led you to to tax march, and you know, just just what kind of motivates you in in some of these socially active ways. Sure. So I was not necessarily involved in the tax world for years beyond just filing my own taxes, really. Uh, that was kind of the extent that I knew of it. And I, as I said, I had a Twitter account and I was writing comedy. And I had a friend who was writing for a late night TV show. Um, he was writing for the Colbert Report back when that was still on. And he um, tweeted out the day after the Women's March in 2017 that people should gather and demand Donald Trump release his tax returns which is something that we had heard during the last election. Um, and we heard a lot of bipartisan support of that. People, um, it, it was not necessarily just sort of a left or right issue, but really one more of just general advocacy and oversight. So um, it was a really sort of interesting thing, and I saw it kind of explode, and I got involved at that point and started bringing all the people who were working in their particular communities together and unifying into one group. And that is sort of how Cross March was born in 2017. And after that, I mean, I kind of got sucked in. I was actually really interested and excited by the whole world's taxes because I hadn't really had a lot of exposure to it per se. There is a tendency, I think, to kind of keep people out a little bit of the textbook. It's, it's one of the many sort of worlds that uses a lot of lingo and has a lot of sort of the details and a lot of uh, wonkery surrounding it, which can kind of bar people from feeling that they can enter that conversation. But once I actually started sort of paying attention and reading it, I recognized that it was actually pretty straightforward and something that we actually, uh, as citizens, should be paying attention to and should be... Uh, getting involved in, and so that really kind of spurred a lot of my um, engagement in this world in particular of activism and advocacy, and it has been fantastic. It's a really rewarding thing to do. Well, that's wonderful to hear. I mean, touching on, on what you were saying about like, like people having a, a barrier to entry, I think taxes are that mix of policy, law, and math. And mm-hmm. s- some people just, 
just find different of those areas a turn off. And so they, they definitely tune out. So, you know, yeah, if, if we can find ways to, to help people understand and, and break down some of those barriers, I, I think that's, you know, that, that's an excellent thing. Yeah, that was definitely a, a focus of TaxMerge. I mean, I think there are general, the, the barriers that you just mentioned are certainly ones that can be really daunting. I also think, though, that there are some that become um, imposed upon the world by kind of some particular, not, not anyone in particular, but some gatekeepers looking to kind of keep people out a little bit, <laughs> thinking that they have a bit more opportunity to kind of uh, muck things in their favor if people are not really paying attention or they're not really invited to the conversation. So, you know, partially what we try to do in general at TaxWorks is just break it down and, and kind of make things much more accessible. Um, and that was something we really focused on in 2017 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, was released. We really tried to just break down what was in there and how it really did, how it really would affect people's taxes and who was going to be benefiting and, and that sort of thing and, and put it out there in ways that were much more straightforward and not kind of either hidden between a dense sort of uh, talking points or else some form of just sort of PR spin, but instead just factually say, here's, here's what it's going to do. Okay, yeah, and that, that's one thing that we wanted to kind of focus on today was the assistance for low-income and working-class taxpayers. So uh, what, what are some, some specific areas that Tax March focuses on for those, those different audiences? Yeah, uh, well, Tax March is very focused on trying to advocate for low-income groups in particular, um, because as we look at the tax code now, we look at the policymakers, we're seeing a lot of people on the side of the wealthiest who are pushing tax policy to most benefit the 1%. And so what we're trying to do is educate people on what sort of policies are actually going to help the people that, are not, that don't have high-powered lobbyists behind them and who are not necessarily as equally represented and certainly are not often invited to the table when it comes to drafting this sort of tax policy. So we look at that really broadly, and we work with a lot of other organizations to um, root out which sort of policies are most beneficial and that seek to actually make a substantive change in lower-income people's lives and um, their quality of life and so that we don't see these sort of tax redistribution where we have seen a lot of redistribution from the lower income directly to the higher income. Um, we're looking to see the reverse of that um, and kind of fight back against that sort of predominant trickle-down theory that has shaped so much of our policy to date. Well, that's quite interesting. So, so what are some efforts that you used to reach the the public and, and educating them in, in those ways? Yeah, we try to do a lot of different things um, and take a lot of different tactics because fundamentally one of the, the difficulties is that people are tired, they're overworked, 
they are dealing with whatever their personal struggles are, whether it's medical problems or medical debt, loneliness, if people have children and are working multiple jobs and they are just trying to get by. And at the end of the day, it's very hard to expect someone to then sort of open up, uh, you know, several pages of text and like focus on that. Um, when we think of all the many different types of issues that are going on and we think about who they're affecting and how they're affecting those people, we have to be really thoughtful and, and recognize that people are interested, they're smart, they're capable, they just mostly don't have the time and the resources to break things down. So our goal is to meet people where they are and bring um, that information to them in a, in a sort of easily digestible way. So we did that in lots of ways. We've done um, social media campaigns to speak to people on you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We've put out explainer videos um, on various tax policies. When everyone was talking about marginal tax rate in 2019, we tried to put out a couple of just really short, quick videos to kind of explain to people what does this mean? What is the tax marginal tax rate? Where were we? Where are we now? What is being proposed? We also have done a lot of physical events and tours. We had a bus tour. <laughs> we had a, a big green bus that we went from city to city and held events in various communities with different groups to talk about how taxes were affecting their communities and um, what was being done locally and federally and how those things were ultimately affecting people's lives in real ways. And now that we're in this current situation, obviously, we're not doing as many or any physical gatherings. Um, we're, we're right now just putting out information online and appropriately socially distanced. <laughs> so we've done um, several videos and video discussions and also some video town halls as well, speaking with different types of people. We've tried to uplift and highlight people's individual stories and what they're dealing with right now. And then we also, following the last CARES bill, we worked with several other organizations to do digital uh, discussions, breaking down particular details of the bill and how those actually were going to affect the people who were currently struggling the most and needing the most help. You, you may have mentioned some of it, but what, have, what do you think has been the most successful for Tax March so far? That's a really good question. It's so hard to measure because, you know, ultimately we're trying to really break down walls across the board, and they've been put there for decades now. So, you know, we have these moments time to time where it's like, wow, we really had a fantastic um, impact, and, or we've had a lot of people engage something or a lot of people came out to something, you know, and, and we've seen like a big audience. But to me, it's most impactful when I just hear from an individual who says, I get it now, I understand, or I'm interested now, or I want to know more, or I want to engage this. People who otherwise weren't really, didn't have any time to pay attention, really who were now in the conversation and who were excited to be in the conversation. And that happens every day in various ways. And, and those are the moments where I feel like we're successful. We're, we're doing something here that matters. 
Well, very nice. Yeah, I I have done teaching and just working with with the public and and with clients. That that certainly those those aha moments, those those teaching moments where where you see the the spark come on. That that is very satisfying. You know, working with people like that. Definitely. Yeah, and and you know with with taxes to to be able to to translate from from the internal revenue code or or some IRS documents into something that people understand that's that's definitely a skill so i you know i appreciate the work that that your organization is doing to help low income and working class people um, so at, at this point, those those were kind of the the topics I wanted to cover. Was there anything else that that you wanted to bring up at this point, Mara? Um, no. I mean, if anyone is listening and they're interested to know more about us, we are taxmarch.org, and we're always uh, interested to have more people sign up and, and join and find out and ask us questions. But no, this is really interesting, and I. Well, certainly. Thank you for, for joining me today. I, I appreciate your interest and you know, you, you've said you've you've listened to different episodes, so I, I appreciate your support. Yeah. So so thank you for contacting me. Sure thing. Thanks for having us on. It's very always fun to talk Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique. So do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.